This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Thank you, Amaris, and your team for that special music. And once again, I want to welcome you to GYC and happy Sabbath. It is such a privilege to be in this place, and I want to thank, above all, our Lord and Savior for making sure that we made it through a year. So many people started this year, began this year, and did not finish it. And by God's grace, we thank Him that we can be alive and still have a chance to take the gospel to the entire world in our generation. I also want to thank you all, our participants, for traveling. Some of you drove all the way from Canada for 24 hours straight. Some of you came from all sorts of different places. And if you notice, we have flags on this stage. These flags represent each country that is present at this GYC. I don't know about you, but I praise the Lord, because as you look at this stage, this are nations from all over the world that are at this GYC in Houston. We praise the Lord for that, and God is good. I also would like to tell you that I'm going to make a baptismal appeal at the end of my message today. I always want to give you a heads up so that you can think about it. I always want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel and to the word of God. But before we begin, why don't we have a word of prayer together? Dear Heavenly Father, we are gathered here and we want you to be in this place. We want you to be lifted up. My friends here have traveled from far, some from this Houston town, not to hear about men's ideas or what we think is good or bad, but to hear the Word of God. So I pray that Word will be spoken in spite of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I grew up as a missionary kid traveling all across the continent of Africa, and we had a wonderful time going to all sorts of different countries. But for some of you who might have grown up as missionary kids, you know that some of the places that you go to are not safe. We went to all sorts of different countries, and for about 12 years of our lives, either we were in conflict or running from war. I remember this one time we were in the country called Congo. The capital city of that country was Brazzaville. We had just escaped from another country by the name of DRC, which at the time was named Zaire. We had escaped from a dictator that was about to be overthrown, and here we were starting our life in this country of Congo, almost right in the center of Africa. My family were there and we were starting to do our ministry when we heard that war was about to break. 
We started to see gunfire and looking outside and bombs and the earth was shaking. And we knew that if we did not get out of that place, either we were going to be dead, kidnapped, or something worse that we did not want to think about. Our plan was very straightforward. We decided we were going to go to a UN refugee camp on the other side of the country. In order to go to that UN site, we had to go through a lot of back roads through the countryside. We also knew that we'll be going through some rebel territory and that we could literally die any moment without knowing it. But we knew that we wanted to make it out alive, so as we counted the cost, we decided to go by faith. We went into the car, and there we were driving one afternoon, going through all sorts of different roads, evading different things, and seeing gunshots and all of those different things all around us. And I cannot describe to you the feeling that I had in my heart. It was even worse than I don't think fear could describe it. Maybe terror could come closer to it. But I was frozen. As we would travel and uh, going to this UN campsite, this refugee campsite, I remember as we were going through this one road, we saw in the sky helicopters that were coming in great number. We also saw across, in it, we looked at the field and we saw people lining up, boarding some of the helicopters that were coming. I remember asking the guy who was driving us through the countryside, And I said, why don't we just stop over there and escape this country? Why don't we just take one of those helicopters and, you know, instead of going to a refugee camp, why don't we just go with these guys? I remember he looked at me and he says, well, you know, these people are Americans. And in their country, wherever you are in the world, if they know where you are, they leave no man behind. Leave no man behind. As a matter of fact, it's part of the creed of the U.S. Army that they leave no man behind. At the time, I didn't know even where the United States was. All I cared about really was my life. But I knew that this nation left no man behind. Today, my friends, we are living in a great controversy. If you'll turn your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. Today we are living in a war, the war of all wars, And it begins this way in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. If you're there, so I know you're there, if you could say good amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, this is what the Bible says. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. 
So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives part of the world. Is that what the Bible says? The whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the what, my friends? Oh, I only heard 10% of you. They did not love their lives to the what? Amen. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having what type of wrath? Great wrath. Because he knows that he has but a short time. The great controversy. Oh, we know it so well. We see it today in our society. The devil is mad at society. We see it as well in our church. The devil is not happy about the church of God. Even though he knows he's a defeated foe, but he's a sore loser. And he will do whatever he can to distract us. Because he has come down with what kind of wrath, my friends? A great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. We see it as well, my friends, in our schools. The great controversy. We see it so many times. In our schools today, you can either find Christ or you can find the devil. The great controversy is alive in our schools. But also the great controversy, this war between good and evil, is very alive as well in our families. More than anything that I have seen in my short life is the attack upon families. Little children who maybe don't have a present, don't have both sets of parents. A little child who wants to study the Bible and learn more about God, but the parents have no time and are too busy to read or teach him about Jesus. We see all sorts of conflicts in our family, the great controversy. But more than that, we see it in ourselves. The things we want to do, but know we shouldn't do, we do them anyways. We know what we should be doing, but we don't do those things because there's something in us called self. And it robs us of our peace. In the midst of all of this great controversy, according to the Word of God, this war between good and evil, a war between life and death, 
In the midst of all of this, God has always had a creed. Leave no man behind, no matter the cost. Leave no man behind in this conflict, no matter the cost. No matter the cost. What makes it even hard for God to accomplish this mission here today in 2018? Is that above all the thing that he hates the most resides in the person that he loves the most, and that is you. He does not like sin, but he loves you. That is what makes it complicated. What else makes it complicated is that the devil does not play fair. Something else that makes it even more complicated is that sin must be allowed to bear its fruits of death. In the midst of this great conflict and all of this complication, God has one creed to leave no man behind, but here are his obstacles. But the worst thing about our day today is that we feel that we are safe because we come to GYC. We feel that we are safe because we have our names in the church books. We feel that we are in need of nothing while we need Christ. And the whole world at times is being deceived. And in the midst of this great controversy, God still has to preserve our freedom of choice. I don't know about you, my friend, but if it was not for this creed that God has to leave no man behind, I would be lost. Jesus looking at the span of time and seeing this conflict and all these challenges, God seeing all of this decided that He was going to pay the ultimate price. Because one of you was worth all of heaven. I hope you realize GYC. I just don't want to stand here and preach a sermon and then you forget about it. I want you to realize and myself to realize as well what the cost is of losing one soul for Christ. There was a woman who was praying for her children. She had raised them in the way that they should go, and she has been praying, she had been praying and praying, but unfortunately one of her sons decided to go another route. He decided to go the way of the world, the way of the world looked more appealing to him, pleasure came faster, and all those different things that he wanted to experience. And his mother will be there praying for her son, that her son will come back to the faith that he was taught. One day, almost to the point of frustration, she started to pray. And as she was praying, she says, Lord, show me your heart. Show me your heart. I want to tell you, be careful when you pray that prayer. Lord, show me your heart. This woman there, she was praying and she fell asleep as she was praying and she had a dream. In her dream, she was in a beautiful city 
wonderful city, all sorts of things you could imagine. She was in New Jerusalem. Right there in the horizon through those transparent walls, she would look out and as she looked out, she saw like it was a black line in the horizon. As she kept looking out there, she started to notice that the line was getting thicker and thicker. Soon she realized that that line were actually people running for the holy city. As she kept looking over there and as she saw, she started to recognize some of the people. But one of the, pers- the people that she recognized was the face of her son. Her son recognized that Mama was on the other side and her son started to run towards Mama. And he, was, he went there and as he was running towards the wall, he did not know that there was a wall there. So he hit it and he tried to scream and say, let me in. With a mother's heart, she was pleading for her son, come in. But she could not get him in. This was going on back and forth and she was pleading and the son was pleading, Please, Mama, let me in, let me in. This was going on and then a voice behind said, Destroy him. Destroy him. The strange work of God. She woke up from that dream, and as she woke up from that dream, she was so shaken up, she did not know what to do. And then a voice told her, You weep for your son. But think about all of those people that are left behind. In essence, they're God's children too. Now you have seen my heart. God suffers and will never forget someone who is left behind because he has scars in paradise. The cost of living one person behind for Christ was so immense that we know this verse so well. John 3.16, For who loved the world, my friends? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whomsoever believes in Him shall not do what? Perish, but have everlasting life. The creed of God. Leave no man behind, no matter the cost. Jesus came to this earth and he had to live a sinless life among men. He died the worst of death. The cross was so abhorrent to a Roman citizen, by the way, that it was a taboo word. He endured being spat on the face, scourged, with pieces of metal ripping his back. Nailed to a cross. 
A carpenter who worked with wood is hanged on that wood that he created and worked with. He is hanging there among two criminals and you can know that these guys were the real deal because they were on that cross. But none of that was greater than the pain of losing you. So he died of a broken heart. I want to tell you, my friends, that you are of precious value to God. But more than that, this world is of precious value to God. We cannot leave no man behind, no matter what the cost might be, for Christ paid an infinite price that you and I might have the chance of not being left behind. But I have very good news for you today, my friends. Not only Christ died on the cross... He did something else, and I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the context of the story is that Christ had died on the cross. He was crucified and risen. But He had something else to give to this world so that you and I can accomplish our mission. In verse 4, let us begin in verse 4. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, it said, And being assembled together, I hope you don't mind, I will put it in our GYC context. And being assembled together at GYC, he commanded them not to depart from Houston, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you, my friends, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together at GYC Houston, they asked for one thing, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were chasing the devil's rabbits, focusing on all sorts of different things. But this is what God says to us here today. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive what, my friends? Power. Do you believe that at this GYC we can receive power? Do you believe that at this GYC we can experience Pentecost again? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be, this word is so key, witnesses to me in Houston, in Los Angeles, in Moscow, 
in Beijing, in Cairo, in Rio of Janeiro, in Paris, in Quebec, to the end of the earth. Our greatest need today, my friends, is the Holy Spirit. The disciples, when they had gathered together, they were focusing on a kingdom while God wanted to give them power and citizenship to a heavenly country in which no man is left behind. God wanted to give them the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, my friends, today we need the Holy Spirit more than any time before. I don't know about you, but I don't even like reading the news anymore. Even our own publications at times. If we will only ask for this one thing, the Holy Spirit, in our communities, in our families, in our schools, more than 60% of young Seventh-day Adventists like you and I leave the Adventist church when they go to college. You, my friend, are a very rare breed. I said this the other time, but most of my friends that I went to college with are not in the church anymore. We need to leave no man behind in our schools. But we also need to leave no man behind in our churches. I'm a pastor. Some members have never received a visitation from the pastor or the elder in 30 years. Yet we look forward to their tithe, participation, and organizing all sorts of events. But we will not even give the time to visit with them. There are so many people in our local churches, young people, who should not be left behind. I'm also talking to you because maybe you're not a pastor, but you have a great commission, not a great option. We are all called to win souls for Christ. And I want to tell you, my friends, don't depend upon someone else for your spiritual walk and for you to be active and soul winning. By your zeal, many will be inspired. You are a leader. If you come to GYC, you are a leader. As long as you're surrendered to Christ and follow His Word and follow His church, you are in the majority because when God is in your life, you are in the majority. We need to leave no man behind in our families. Some of our family members don't even know we're Seventh-day Adventists and what that means. For some of us, let's be honest, we have been a bad example. 
But you know what, my friends, there's hope because as long as there's the Holy Spirit, He can change us. But most importantly, we ourselves must not be left behind. If we want to take the gospel to the end and survive the end, we need the Holy Spirit. And how do we have the Holy Spirit, my friend? We must be emptied of self by beholding the matchless love of God in His Word. Abiding in His Word. In order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we must be emptied. And to be emptied, we can only be emptied as we lay self on the altar of the cross and pierce it to that cross. Leave no man behind, GYC. There was a pastor who lived by this creed. There he was living in a communist country. And he decided that he wanted this country, even though it was under communism, to know about Jesus Christ. But he paid a heavy price. They decided to rally all the spiritual leaders. And this pastor, they decided to take him and put him in a cell under the police department. There he was for many days, and the food that they gave him was just a piece of toast, and excuse me, with human waste. The main guard would bring it to him almost joyfully to break him. As time went by, they decided, well, some of these people are not being broken, so let us take them to a remote place apart from their families. But before we send them to this remote location, why don't we invite their families for an hour to talk to them, and maybe they will give some, they'll put some sense into them. This pastor, just before he was put in prison, told his family, if I go to prison and I hear that you yourselves went to prison for Jesus Christ, I will be the happiest man on this world. If you don't give up the faith, even if you are sent to prison, I will be the happiest man. And there he was. So there came the time for to take all the spiritual leaders away. They invited the families. And as the families gathered, they had tables across the yard. And there they were, as they had tables, they were... The family members were meeting with the pastors, the evangelists, and all those spiritual leaders for about an hour. And this pastor's family was there waiting to see him. Five minutes passed by, he didn't show up. Ten minutes passed by, he wasn't there. Fifteen minutes, thirty minutes, he wasn't showing up. All the other families were meeting their their, their family members, and no one was showing up. Until 45 minutes later, there was a man who walked up to the table 
where the family was, brought in something in a bag and laid it on the table. When they opened the bag, the wife could only recognize her husband through his blue eyes. He was so frail that he had to be carried. At that moment, the wife knew that the only thing that her husband would like would be a Bible. So she tried to slip in a Bible right next to him. And at that point, one of the guards saw her and said, Do you know I can kill you? She says, Well, you can kill me, but you cannot separate me from the love of God. They took the husband, took him away, put him in some remote place. But this man lived by the creed, leave no man behind. So in that prison, he kept preaching about the gospel. The guards got tired of him, so they decided to play a trick on him. They told him, today is going to be your last day. They brought him to the yard, and they were getting ready to execute him. The man was there, and he, in his frail body, stood straight and was ready to die. The guards were so astonished by this man, though he seemed like he had no strength, he was apart from his family, he was starving, he had almost nothing, yet he was still willing to die for the gospel that no man may be left behind. The guards thought he was crazy, so they threw him out of the prison. This man started to find his way, and he found his family and the local church. There in this local church, an older lady came to him and said, Pastor, I want you to come and see my son because he's dying. The pastor said, Oh, yes, I want to make sure I meet your son. So there the pastor went to the home and the lady brought him to the room. And there was her son almost dying. When he looked at who the son was, it was the man in the prison who gave him the piece of toast and human waste. It was that jail guard. He was so shocked that he says, Lord, I cannot disappoint you today. I can't. I can't. But if you live by the creed, the man got on his knees, prayed for the man who tortured him, and prayed for his healing. Because he knew the cost of leaving a man behind. Today, my friends, I want to give you an opportunity as I invite my friend Naomi. She's going to have a special piece for us, and as she sings for us, I'm going to make a very straightforward appeal. Three appeals. These appeals are between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Naomi begins to sing, I want you to listen to the words of this song. 
and then we'll have our appeal. This message was recorded at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.